Uh, as we get into today, though, and I don't want to get too far ahead, it's going to be exciting. I love the journey of Pentecost. I want to give a little background information on it. Pentecost Sunday is uh, designated the 50th day after Passover, and it's, it is for us as well as those in the Old Testament a, a very special day. Um, it's, a, it's a feast day. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks for the, the Jewish uh, calendar or the Feast of Harvest. And it was on this day, the, the day of Pentecost, if you look in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on 120 followers of Christ who had gathered in an upper room to pray. If you remember, when Jesus had left and, and he, before he ascended, they said, what do we do? And he said, just, I need you to pray and wait. And I will send one, and he will be called the Comforter. You guys remember that? And so that's what they did. And they gathered, gathered in this upper room. So, And you know what's interesting? We celebrate the birth of Jesus, and the world celebrates with us Christmas, right? Everybody's excited about Christmas. We celebrate his resurrection, and most of the world celebrates with us on Easter Sunday. We all celebrate that. Most of the whole world celebrates Easter Sunday. It's a very special day on the calendar at the very least. We have these very um, special Christian holidays, and, and we celebrate those. But the day of Passover, uh, I mean Pentecost, hardly anyone realizes it or recognizes it. Uh, we're not paying a whole lot of attention, but it is arguably the most important, at the very least, in the top three, right, of things that have happened in the church. Because Pentecost Sunday is the birth date of the church, the birthday. It's the day that the church was founded. Um, when God gives us the opportunity to receive him, it's always a, a remembering that that was first happened and established on the day of Pentecost. And he's, it's a wonderful opportunity that we have to be part of this Christian tradition. Receiving the Holy Spirit, and this is something that I think we get used to as Christians, but we really need to change our outlook on this because it becomes less special. We, we get used to receiving the Holy Spirit, the glory of God, and we've talked about His glory, and when His glory is so evident in our lives, how things can change. We've talked about those things, but I think that it just becomes dreary for us. It, it becomes dull. We don't remember it so much, and that's probably the case with any relationship um, Sarisa and I had just a couple weeks ago celebrated 21 years of being married. And, and I'll tell you that um, I can remember when we, had, when we hit the 10-year mark, and I thought, man, that's a long time, you know, 10 years. That's, that's like forever, 10. Um, it, was, it seemed like it was so quick. I want you to know, though, baby, it was, it was fast. Um, but really, you know, you think, okay, I've done it. I've accomplished something, 10 years. And it is. It's significant. 10 years is great. But here I sit at 21 years and I think all of a sudden like, oh, 21 years isn't so long. But if we don't make an intentional effort to maintain our relationship with each other, then our love and the relationship between us begins to fade. And it's the same thing with who God is for us. And if I don't wake up tomorrow and try to love Sarisa more tomorrow than I did today, then that would begin me on a downward path and somewhere along the way our relationship would become less important to us. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. We have to try every day to draw closer to Him. I'm way off here, so. Oh yeah, so uh, uh, there was a famous motivational speaker. Here's where I was going. 
And uh, he was once asked about the most difficult speech he ever gave. And he said, well, I was asked to speak at a national convention of undertakers. And I had to explain to them how to look sad during a $20,000 funeral. You see, what's going on inside of us is going to be revealed on the outside. What we have going on in us is just going to come out. I told the story Wednesday about uh, at prayer about the the men, the three men who went to Alaska during the gold rush and they were um, prospecting for gold and they found a rich vein of gold and so they went into town to do the paperwork to lay claim on that and when they went in they decided not to tell anybody but somehow before they headed back everybody knew and was following them because what's on the inside comes out. When you're excited about something everybody's going to know and it's so hard to keep from showing it. July 12th, it's my birthday by the way, just so you know, July 12th, it's coming, it's not far off. July 12th, 1990 was a very important day for me. I can still remember waking up on that Friday morning excited because today was the day I got to get my driver's license. It was my 16th birthday, I had done all of my um, driving tests and my uh, driving instruction and I had passed all of the things and I was ready to go and I know that uh, for some today it seems like it's even less important than it used to be but when I was 16 it opened at 8 o'clock and I was there. I was at the the DPS office I was I, which is Department of Public Safety if you're not from Texas and and that's where in Midland we had to go to get our driver's license and I had to take the driving test and I I passed with flying colors the the written test no problem um, and I got in the car and I was uh, we we're driving with the driving instructor and I was super excited and things were awesome and the day was great and the birds were singing and you know parallel parking do they still make you do parallel parking for the driving part okay so I, I had nailed the parallel parking part in fact I still pride myself I don't have an automatic parallel parking car by the way um, but I still pride myself that I can parallel park. It's awesome. I was taught well and past all that. We're going and uh, at the drive, we're, we're coming to the end of the drive and we're coming up to the stop sign and the office is right there. We come to the stop sign. And I slowed down, but I didn't stop. And I rolled right on through that stop sign. See, part of my problem was um, I grew up in the oil field and my dad was always taking me, this was back when you could do this, with him to the, uh, he was a tool pusher on a drilling rig. So uh, he was, uh, worked a lot, like he would be gone for two weeks at a time. And so he would come and get me and we'd go out to the, the rig and I would stay in his rig trailer and I would, be, I would drive his truck out on all the, the cleachy roads, you know. Out. So I'd, I'd been driving for a a while now by this point you know um, even some of the roads into the small towns when I was 14 and 15 with my dad like who just taught me to drive and um, I had developed some bad habits and apparently not stopping completely was one of those bad habits um, so I, I I can remember I didn't even catch it we got there and he was like uh, yeah you're gonna have to come back and take your test what it was perfect I did the parallel parking perfectly, and I followed all the speed limits perfectly. And I, he said, yeah, but you just rolled through that stop. Ah, no. And it was Friday. You couldn't retake it the same day. I had to wait till Monday. So the story for me is I had to wait a little extra time. But, you know, I did. Monday I did get it, and it's been a few years now that I've been driving. Things are great. Um, 
the, the point is this, that I can still remember July 12th, 1990 was a day that my life changed, right? Uh, actually, it was Monday, whatever day that was, the 15th. So um, it, was, it was a time that I'll never forget. It was a, a moment in my life that has impacted me forever. I can still remember, I still remember the, the vehicle I was driving. I still remember the driving instructor. I still remember how crystal clear everything was. You know, am I making sense? Like certain things in our lives etch a memory that we will never forget. And the day of Pentecost, for those that were around in that time, is such a day. Something they will never forget. And so that's the life-changing event I want to talk about today. And I know you're probably thinking that I'm taking a long time to set this up. Don't worry, we're not going to go very long. But I am going to read. The Scripture's a little bit lengthy today. It'll be on your, um, your screen. It'll also be on the, the TV behind me. We uh, have the um, notes on the Bible app, the Version Bible app. You can look at or go to the church's app, and uh, the notes are there too. So it's a, it's a little bit lengthy. It's Acts chapter 2, but let's read this, and uh, you guys follow along. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, can you imagine, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And we're going to talk about this in a minute, but did you catch all of the different languages there? And they all heard, amazed and perplexed. They're trying to paint this picture of they were dumbfounded. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some of them made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. I guess when you've had too much wine, you learn other languages. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Skip to verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. He's, he's saying this is who God is. You've seen it. God, he, he was accredited to you he was, um, so that you would know who he was. All right. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, uh, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Therefore, verse 36, we'll skip. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Well, I've I've got an answer. Repent 
And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I mean, just the story in itself is enough to make a movie of, right? This is an incredible story. And I know this isn't the first time you're reading it, but every time something else kind of jumps out to me. It's so exciting. Can you imagine the excitement of that first Pentecost? Can you imagine being there? And, and I'm talking, there's two areas of excitement. One is being in the room. And seeing all of the fire and hearing the sound of the wind. And then the aftermath, being one of the thousands who were listening and converted on that day. I was, always thought it was funny that some of them came to the conclusion that the apostles were drunk. But I think the author included that because it tells us something of the excitement that prevailed of the day. How... There was something exciting. It was like this, this party scene, you know? There was like all of a sudden they had been set free. It was a freedom that they hadn't quite experienced before. They had heard Jesus talk about it. They knew what was happening. They knew what was coming. But now there's this freedom and they're experiencing it and the, the excitement that was there. And, and they were jubilous uh, and, and joyful and whatever word you can think of. And is jubilous a word? Don't look it up. So they're, they're having all this, this excitement happening, and, and what else can it be but a party, man? They're over there, they're having a party, they're being drunk. See, this also lets me know, I think as Christians, we need to maybe do a better job of letting people see how jubilous we are, how joyful we are. We don't have to go get drunk on wine to have an exciting day with Jesus, the Holy Spirit to fill us. Like, are people looking at us saying, what is wrong with you? Have you been drinking? <laughs> no. No, it's just the joy of the Lord, man. Like he has filled my heart. Pentecost says that the early Christians discovered joy unspeakable in the church. And Paul writes it again. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Okay, so real quick. The Feast of Pentecost, I've, you just have to understand where Pentecost even came from, okay? They, they celebrated Pentecost before it became Pentecost for us, okay? It, it was one of three Old Testament celebrations. The men of Israel would come together. Everybody in the area would come from around the world and gather in their ancient homeland, and they would offer sacrifice to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was a big gathering, right? And Pentecost was a harvest festival. It came at the time of, of the grain harvest. And it was just 50 days after Passover. So each year, first fruits of the Pentecost were offered during, uh, with joy during, in Thanksgiving. And the worshiper would recite Deuteronomy chapter 26. So Pentecost was clearly God's choice for a time of initiation of Jesus' followers into this new thing that he was doing. See, because just 50 days before, Jesus had been killed and raised from the dead. And if you look at some of the things that happened in Jesus' ministry, many of them correlate with something that was um, very important for the Jewish people. 
the worshipers of God. This is no different. So there's, there's symbolism here. Um, as an indication of the great harvest of everlasting life that Jesus was bringing to them, they celebrated that and, and the Holy Spirit was unleashed on them on this same day. It's like a celebration of the harvest of all the grains and, and they, they had the offering. And now it's a celebration of the harvest of a new life. The 120 believers were about to be touched by the Spirit of God, and they were the first of a vast multitude of people and generation after generation that would be touched. <coughs> the choice of Pentecost is also an indication of, of believers, uh, new believers, of entering in. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 26, remember they came in and this is what they recited on the day of Pentecost. I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. I declare that I have entered in. I declare I have entered in. It's just what Pentecost meant to the first disciples. I am declaring they would have picked up on this. It was something. They, they knew they're going to go and they're going to... Um, it was part of the way the worship had been set up. They're going to go. They're going to uh, say before the day of Pentecost as we know it, they would bring their grain offering and they would recite this and say, I declare that I am entering in the promised land. Now it's a new way of, of entering into the promised land, the kingdom of God. Don't feel like you guys were taken back like I was with that, but let it sink in and you'll see there's some great symbolism there. All right, so they were all together in one place, right? Verse 1 tells us that. Um, they had gathered to share in prayer. They were waiting with anticipation uh, to see what God might do. They gathered often. It says in verse 46 that they continued to meet together in prayer. They continued. It's something that they were used to doing. They gathered. Not only were they all in one place praying, they were fellowshipping. They were enjoying each other. They were having a great time. And this is something I think as a church we need to learn because one thing as a church, we love to gather. We'll gather together, we fellowship together, we eat together, we have a good time together. But all of that is not for that in itself. They did that, but it set up something so much bigger because what happens immediately after? Thousands were added to their number. The reason we need a healthy church that has fellowship is so that we can, with great health and uh, ability reach into our community because without a healthy church we're not going to reach effectively churches have to be careful because we get stuck on this being healthy and we forget that there's a purpose for that the reason is for us to reach out they were sharing meals together waiting to see what god's going to do jim symbolist says that the barometer you remember Jim Cimbala, he, was the, uh, he is still the pastor at Brooklyn Tabernacle, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, if you've read any of that. Brooklyn's waving at me. He became famous for his prayer meeting. His church has exploded. They've built this thing on prayer. He says the barometer of a church is who comes to prayer meeting. You will be able to tell how good and well and healthy a church is, how effective they are by who comes to prayer meeting. So join us for prayer. 
Wednesday nights. Right now, we're just doing it online. I hope that that changes here shortly. Join us online and then join us in person. Man, i got to move on. Okay, so I want you also to know the reason for prayer is that our prayers affect God. There are some people who believe that God started this whole thing, set the world, started, started it spinning, and then he stepped away. And he's just an uninterested observer. But Scripture doesn't teach us that. Our prayers affect God. We can move God. He's not an uninterested participant. And I'm not just saying that. 1 John chapter 5. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will. Oh yeah, we got it right here. He hears us. If we ask anything, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So when we ask, he hears us. And then he hears our petitions and he will do those for us. Our prayers move God. But that's, it's also in the Old Testament. Look at Psalm 66. If I regard iniquity in my heart, iniquity being sin. The Lord will not hear, but certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. But only if what? If I don't have iniqu- if I have iniquity in my heart, if I have sin, which is one of the things we started doing on our uh, prayer service, is we have a time of confession. God, I'm confessing to you the sin in my life. I want that iniquity gone. Nobody uses that word anymore, but it's, it's sin in our hearts. If we are sincere on unleashing the Holy Spirit, it will happen. But not if we have sin in our hearts. So what's the point of all of this that we've been talking about? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? And we're on the downward side now. In time, I mean. Stay with me. <laughs> Some of you are like, wait a minute, it's all over? No, we, we are springboarding into a new era for this church, is my hope. A new era that the Holy Spirit is alive and with us, that His glory is evident and prevalent, that people can't come to this church without understanding that there is something different happening here. One of the points, the reason we need the Holy Spirit, and this is awesome, is to communicate the love of God. It's a lesson that we take from this scripture in Acts, to communicate. The theme of Pentecost, not the purpose or the reason, but I'm telling you the theme, if you read it, of Pentecost on this scripture is communication. Think about it. The scripture says that they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That those who were around them heard it in their own language. And I I guess I need to address head on this issue of tongues because... I know that there's a lot of question about that and there's a lot of uncertainty and and a lot of confusion. Let me say first that God is not the author of confusion. There should be no confusion about tongues or what it is. What was happening here was they had a problem with communication. I didn't count the number of languages spoken, but there was like a dozen languages that were spoken. They were all different. People, many different nations were there. When you read this long list of nations, you realize that a language barrier existed. Now, this is difficult and brilliant all at the same time because if all of these nations heard, they're going to go home and tell the story, right? But at that time, we didn't have Google Translate. 
There was no way to easily do that. You had to have an interpreter, and you speak to the interpreter, and they interpret it. And God said, you know what? I'm going to do away with all that. God wanted each to hear the language in their own the message in their own language. He performed a miracle. He gave the apostles the gift of tongues to communicate his message. But the mission of the church is is to communicate the message. We have to do whatever we can do to reach people. The message has never changed. It's the same message. At the moment you and I became a Christian... When we received God, the Holy Spirit came in us, initial sanctification. When we received Jesus as our Savior, our mission was immediate. God commissioned us to share this simple message with our area of the world. It's a brilliant plan. It's the first multi-level marketing. It's our job to share the message with our sphere of influence. That's our job. Immediately, we get saved. Now it's time. It's on. Enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the church exists to reach people, right? We don't ex- now, now, one thing that we need to do is be a healthy church so that we can reach people. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't want us, it's just, just, it's not about us. Quite simply, it's just not about us. Look at our churches. Why? Our mission to love like Jesus. So what? So lives are changed. That's it. Love like Jesus, so lives are changed. We are to reach people. That's it. That's our goal. And we need to be as healthy a church as we can so that we can do that as effectively as we can. But we can't stop at one, like you can't have one without the other. We can't just be a healthy church and not reach people because we'll become an unhealthy church. But we also can't be an unhealthy church trying to reach people because they're going to say, I don't want a part of that mess. It's, it's, it's a combination here. We have to ask ourselves this question to decide if we are healthy enough or not. Are we seeing lives transformed? In this church, are lives being transformed? If not then we are not healthy. That's, that's right. God help us. The way we're going to see lives transformed is to see the mission of God communicated to the world. That's it. And this issue of tongues, so it says that people heard in their own language. And I think so often we ignore that part we want it to be a gift of the speaker but i believe tongues a gift of the hearer how can i speak in one language and everybody hear in their own language i mean they've got to be hearing differently right i i and I don't want to get in too deep, but I, ha- I know examples of people who were speaking in one language and somebody heard in their own language and were saved. It's amazing stories of cross-cultural communication. The gift of tongues in this instance is as much a gift of the hearer as a gift of the speaker. It says they all heard in their own language. God can do whatever he wants to do. 
Holy Spirit filling us, His glory in us is going to do whatever He wants to do. He wants to partner with us to do it, though. All right, last one. Let's go. Last one. Here we go. Where are we at? (laughs) Really, where am I? Oh, here we are. All right. Another reason that we need the Holy Spirit is because we need the power to witness. Two more. I was wrong. All right, so one reason we need the Holy Spirit is to communicate. The next one is the power to witness, to have power to witness. And, and this is like twofold here. Power, power is going to give us the ability, the, the strength, the wisdom to know what to say, when to say, how to say. Also, sometimes the power to witness is to perform a miracle. The power to witness, Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 8 both. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, local. Judea, regional. The ends of the earth, global. I'm giving you power to witness. If we're disconnected from the power, then we can't witness. Um, and I'm trying to move quick. I, I remember it was just this last week. I, I, got a, I got a new laptop, and I, I, was, I brought it up here to the church. We were doing a, the worship band's practice, and I was trying to get something done. And I got it all plugged in, turned it on. The battery wasn't charging what is going on here? And I'm looking, I'm like, well, it's plugged in and here, and I got Alan involved. Alan, what's going on with your power? Because it's his power at this point, it's not mine. Uh, what's going on with your power, man? It's, it's not working, I can't see. What? Look, and my, my charger's plugged in, the cable's plugged in to the wall, it's, I don't, what's going on? And he said, did you plug it in? Well, of course I plugged it in. Who went, oh, it's not plugged into my computer. <laughs> I had done the whole thing, and I spent 10 minutes trying to figure out the power, circuit breakers and cables and plugged into the wall, and my charger's plugged into the cable, but it wasn't plugged into the computer. Poor Alan, he puts up with a lot. So, <laughs> so appreciate the laughter. Thank you, Tessa. So the, when we come disconnected from the power, it's just not going to happen nothing that I could have done was going to make that laptop charge. And if I become disconnected from the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing that I try is going to work. Because now the power of the witness of God is reliant on me with no God involved. It's just not going to work. A lot of Christians disconnect from the power of the Holy Spirit. They think, I can do this on my own. I, I, got, I got this, man. I'm good. I can make a plan. I got a schedule. Give me a list. I got it. We're covered. His power is available to us to complete the task that he wants us to complete, but it's completed in his power, not our ingenuity. Sometimes I feel like I'm pretty good, pretty smart, come up with a good plan. But without him, this is what he checked me on at the end of the last year. He said, hey, what you're doing is fine, but like, you need to check with me. Like, I like what you're teaching. This is me and God's conversation. And this is all fine and dandy, but man, check with me. Check with me. And then I said, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I said, for how long? And he said, 
until I say stop. <laughs> the strangest thing that's happened to me, it's been one of the best journeys of my life, though. I would say, if you have missed any of the Sundays this year, go back and listen. It's all archived on our website, The Church's Podcast. Go back and listen. The teaching has just been, not, not me. It's not a benefit or to, for me. I'm telling you, the teaching that God has given has just been so good. This is why they were asked to wait in Jerusalem until the power descended from on high. They had to wait. With the Holy Spirit, we can make a difference. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I talked about this. As a matter of fact, I've said this a lot. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Right? Without the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel message rests on me? Are you kidding? No. Like you've got me and my finite brain and my finite self, and then you've got our God who created the universe, who the psalm says he breathed stars. Like you're going you're gonna to put me up against him? Come on, I need God's power. My ingenuity is no match for him. The Holy Spirit is that inner mechanism that helps us. Here's the last one. We need to be transformed. So we're under the practical. Now, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because we need to be transformed and the church needs to be transformed. Let's just read verses 1 through 4 again. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Fire changes whatever it touches. Every encounter that I've had with the Holy Spirit, I've changed. I'm talking about this kind of an encounter. Every encounter. We cannot encounter Him and, and, and change and not change. Here's the amazing part. God, the Holy Spirit, took a group of, of fishermen, of former prostitutes, of ex-religious leaders, of tax collectors, and various family members of Jesus and some other disciples, and he formed a united group that we call the church that revolutionized history. It's crazy to think about. And listen, before Pentecost, you remember some of the scriptures after Jesus died and before they started praying, before Pentecost, they were scared. Hiding behind locked doors, they lacked faith. They didn't fully understand God's plan. And then what happened after Pentecost? They were united as never before. And all of them, either by uh, scripture or we can read in church tradition, all of them except John were ended some kind of horrific fate. We're talking about people who were so scared that they were locking themselves in a door. Somehow something changed, something about them that they were willing to be crucified, to be burned alive, to be killed for the sake of God. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like he just wasn't scared. That's what the Holy Spirit did for them. He changed everything about them. And listen, society will not be transformed until we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. 
I just got to chill because I, I just, when I said the word society, it made me think about, and Adam and I were talking about this this morning, society is burning down, man. Our world around us is going crazy. What's happening? It's like a perfect storm of social unrest and disease and quarantine. and It's a powder keg, man. People are looking for something. But remember this, until we're transformed, society won't be transformed. I, I am looking at, <laughs> I was looking at, I try, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with this because I, I watch, um, I actually quit watching the news, right? And mostly, I mean, I, I want to keep up with what's going on. I don't want to be naive to what's happening in the world around me, but I used to watch news all the time, like a news junkie. I got to where I just can't. We need to go back to the, what, the 10 o'clock news. We're going to show up 30 minutes one time a day, and then that's all you get. That might help. I, I, I watched enough to know, but then I started seeing social media, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and people are hateful, man. I would say to every Christian, before you write anything, give yourself a day. I... I have quit. I just can't. I, I, there, you will not see a political post or rant on my page ever. I'm taking a picture of me and my family going to Andy's. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I just don't want to be, I just want to be careful is what I want. Because I want society to see that the Holy Spirit has changed me into being something different. And I want them to say, man, I want to be only concerned with Andy's. <laughs> right? I just, I just want to be real careful because... Until we're transformed, society won't be. And when society is burning itself down like it is right now, that, I think that puts the onus on the church to be a transformed people that can influence change, not by, um, please don't get me wrong, every one of you should vote. Please vote. We can influence our society by uh, how, we, how we vote and who we elect. But I, I want to say that I want to be very careful understanding that the, the way my biggest change that I can make, the biggest impact I can have is by allowing people to see the Holy Spirit and what he's done in me. Man, I'm, I'm off. I'm done. We're, we're going to say a, a prayer and sing a song in a minute. But I'll just tell you my story just briefly. Whenever I was... Um, I grew up in the church, and I found myself, I walked away from the church. I went to college, and I went nuts. It was dumb. I lived a life, and matter of fact, I can remember telling myself, I don't think I've ever shared this on a Sunday morning, I can remember telling myself, if I died and go to hell, I'm cool with that. I went through that time. And some things happened in my life that kind of shook me awake. I came back to, to God. And I can remember that I was, I was, so God, I need you. Jesus, I'm sorry you've done that. Forgive me for my sins. 
And I still had struggles. I was still messing around. Jesus, forgive me. Man, I'm tired of living like this. And I can remember one night, I just felt broken. And I I was in my bedroom and I had just come out of the bathroom. And um, I was broken. I didn't know what to do. Have you ever been there? Like literally I had no idea. I was, and I can remember, I started on my knees. God, I'm, I'm broken. And I got to a place where I, I really couldn't even stand. So I laid down. And I can still remember the feeling of the carpet on my nose. I can, in my bedroom. I was, I don't know, 23 or 4, 24, I think. And um, it was there that I had such a change that I woke up and I had no desire to do anything that I had done in the past. God changed me. And the change was so significant that my friends who knew me before, this is the reason I'm telling this, they said to me, what in the world happened to you? (laughs) I was like, God, I don't know, the Holy Spirit. And I'm not trying to come up in here and be a holy roller to you guys because I'm talking about like the guys that I had run around with. And, And this is interesting. Some of them did not want to even be around me. Because we were at a place now where what was going on inside of them wasn't jiving with what was going on inside of me. Jive, you understand that word? Like, it was, it just, they just didn't match. They, and they didn't want to be around me. As a matter of fact, some of my best friends ever uh, haven't talked to me since. But for the others, I became a light in their darkness. And I, I was able to have a great impact on a circle of friends that may never have known Jesus Christ. But it wasn't me. Because in my own, and, and I got to this place and I just broke down. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not strong enough to even walk at this point. Like, it was like God said, you're weak, man. Look how weak you are. You can't even stand up. And our world is burning around us. And I just wonder who needs to see that light.